Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Vlad, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Happy Christ the King Sunday. It's indeed a festival Sunday, but as we hear some of the crucifixion narrative for today, it becomes clear that there are some somber undertones to this day. Pastor Lauren reminded us once again in the Connection Point this week that celebration of Christ the King did not come into the life of the church until 1925, and it was a papal response to rising nationalism and secularism around the globe. Fascist parties were springing up in countries all over the globe, as were communist movements. Webster defines fascism as exalting nation over and often race above the individual, and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. And all of that was made possible because there was this rise of communism as well to have something to rail against. And there were lead, ways of leading in this world that were becoming more and more problematic in that time. And they certainly came in conflict with the humble servant way of Jesus our King. And so this Sunday exerts that this humble way is actually the most powerful way to lead in the world. And there is this inherent juxtaposition that the suffering servant King whose way of service overcomes all worldly principalities and power brokers. Christ rules above all powers and dominions of this world. Jesus is Lord and King of all of our living. And these are foundational parts of our faith, but they were in serious question as the rise of communism and fascist movements, like the Nazi party in particular, were creating a tinderbox in this world at that time. These authoritarian movements were on a collision course, and the Christian voice should have been an antidote to their explosive power, but instead it was co-opted and became a driving force for some of the violence instead of peace. The institution of Christ the King Sunday became a mere speed bump in the road of the church being drawn into fomenting the call to arms. In his book, Nazis on Copley Square, historian Charles Gallagher explains the theological landscape of Christianity in the early 20th century that gave rise to this dangerous rationalization for fascism by Christians. He begins by describing what was in itself a good thing that got turned in on itself in the shape of mystical body theology. He explains that its central tenet is that everyone baptized as a Christian shares the same physio-spiritual being. We heard it in our second lesson for today, Jesus Christ as the head of the body. The whole of Christianity is said to constitute a divine body with Christ the head, and the effect of this theology during the period of its influence was centrifugal, he says. 
pressing far-flung Catholics into a felt communion with each other and with Christians of other denominations as long as those denominations practice baptism. In practical terms, this made for a newfound sense of solidarity among Catholics. If Christians were hurting elsewhere, Catholics were enjoined to feel their brothers and sisters' pain and pain they felt. Beginning in the 1920s, Christians became the targets of systematic political persecution by leftist regimes. The first of these struggles was in Russia in the wake of the October Revolution of 1919, when the outcast dissident Vladimir Lenin returned to lead the Bolsheviks into power. What followed was a bloody civil war pitting the Red Army against the white Russians who fought for the restoration of the Tsar. Horrifying stories routinely reached the ears of European and American Christians. Russian Orthodox priests were being tortured and killed by Bolsheviks unless they recanted their Christian faith and adopted the new state line. So Christians were rightly upset about what was happening to fellow Christians around the world at the hands of communists. And so for leaders on the emerging American Christian right, the Russian Civil War was a holy war. Major Protestant right-wingers such as Elizabeth Dilling of the Mother's Movement, George Dirthage of the American Nationalist Confederation, William Dudley Peely of the Silver Shirts visited Russia during the Civil War. And in the 1930s, they flitted on the edges of the Christian Front movement, sometimes lending public support, sometimes providing encouragement behind the scenes. More importantly, they emerged from their experience of the Russian conflict with a new Christian theology of war. Bolshevism had become an enemy to Christians everywhere. And so what he focuses on his book then is on this Christian Front movement, and what was happening here in the United States at that time. Because these concerns about fellow Christians around the world being abused and killed at the hand of communists was being seized upon and manipulated by anti-Semites that pitted Christians against Jews and justified violent ends for the sake of their own power. Of course, it was happening in a disturbing way in Germany at the time, but it was also happening on our own soil under the guise of what was called this Christian front. The famed Catholic priest-slash-radio celebrity named Father Charles Edward Coughlin at the lead, there were an estimated 30 million Americans, and remember, a much smaller country at that time, 30 million Americans regularly, regularly turning into his distortions of the Jewish people and justifications for the militarization of Christians as he gave his regular radio program. He gave huge talks to large crowds. I saw a picture of a filled stadium in Cleveland that he was speaking to at the time. And all of this then culminated in a 1940 plot the members of the Christian Front to try to overthrow the U.S. government. It remains hard for us to imagine things like that happening here in our country, and in fact, it was so hard then, and support for those involved ran so deep that they were acquitted of the charges, even though the FBI had voluminous evidence of their crimes. It wasn't until after the evil of Hitler became so much more clear that there became a greater clarity of the threat to the existence of America, and finally... America turned on these fascist ideas 
and they were rejected. It continues to astound me how easily it seems that the Prince of Peace that we know as Jesus has turned into the exact Messiah He did not come to be. All the people in ancient Israel were looking for a military Messiah to lead the rebellion against their Roman occupiers. Jesus kept pointing out that violence only begets more violence, and that the way of Jesus is the way of peace. Justice through peaceful resistance to those who would choose to use force again and again. It was, in fact, a peaceful revolution that saw the rise of Christianity within the Roman Empire to its place as the state religion, but that, of course, led to this peaceful message being co-opted and distorted to such horrible results throughout history. Because of human tendencies towards violence and power, it it has always been a struggle to maintain the core of our faith from the very beginning of Christianity. And it's, of course, seen today on the cross as we hear that story of Jesus' crucifixion today, as Jesus is mocked for not being that warrior Messiah by the ones that hung there with Him and those that gathered around that day. And even then, all Jesus chooses to do is to pronounce a word of forgiveness as He reinforces His insistence on the way of suffering love as the path towards the glory of the kingdom of God. When we hear Paul reminding the community of the same in our second lesson for today, he begins by pointing out the exaltation of Jesus as the one who saves us, not ourselves. And then in the end, he's very clear about the means of this salvation. He says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Peace through the blood of the cross. The Christian message is clear here. While the world may choose violence, Jesus has chosen peace. And he has shed his own blood to put an end to the violence and destructive power once and for all. Power made perfect in weakness. Power perfected in love. This is the Christian message we carry to the world. This is our witness within the violent struggles that we are so tempted to join. Christ the King Sunday reminds us that we're called into service in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Our allegiance isn't to movements that try to assert his name through force because Jesus resisted those efforts in his own life. He chooses to die instead of pursuing them. Christ the King Sunday stands as a marker along the pathway of our discipleship, pointing us away from the dark forces of violence and hate and back towards the path of loving justice and restoration that leads to the eternal. As we welcome new members once again this weekend, we're reminded of our allegiance to this way of Jesus in the world. We're reminded that in our baptism, we join with Jesus in the restoration of the world, not its destruction. 
Thanks be to God for the calling in our lives to live and to love like Jesus. And for this community of saints that helps us to continue to see the way. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.